Hello, hello. This is Mass Liberation Radio. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Lily. We'd like to thank everybody that participates with K-Wink, being a donor or a DJ. We really appreciate it. We have, um, unfortunately, a show without our favorite, Nathaniel. We love you, Nathaniel. Miss you, Nathaniel. Um, We are also going to talk about, I guess we'll talk about the state of our nation first. Um, You know, everything is terrible, first of all. (laughs) Um, About COVID, we have declined to join the vaccine effort because of the World Health Organization's um, involvement. So, yeah, that's awful. Um, 80 countries are participating. So I know we have our own... Um, supposedly our own experiments happening with a vaccine, but we will not be joining the world effort in theirs, which is um, horrifying. And then on the flip side, because um, the government is not just the only group of terrible people, um, there's reports coming out that billionaires are doing 15-minute rapid tests so they can all still party together. Meanwhile, teachers have no idea if they've been exposed um, cases are going up. They're skyrocketing. I know our county, Washoe County, is at over um, 600 cases and 13 schools. I didn't look today, but it's changing every day. So um, pretty dismal there while Muskie's off with his rapid test in a party. It's almost like uh, other countries are lab rats. They get to have to get the test first, and we're just a nation of anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just yeah. don't. We stand On, with our liberty. This is somewhat good news. Um, if you're uh, renting and your landlord tries to hit you with an eviction, fortunately, Governor Sisolak announced a 45-day extension of the residential eviction moratorium amid the COVID-19 public health crisis. So if you're getting evicted, you got 45 more days. To worry about getting evicted. Right. Yes, exactly. Okay, so that's what's going on in the world. And then I guess, I mean, we have to talk about this election. Um, Nobody under 35 cares about. Uh, (laughs) I have never seen people so unenthused about a candidate on the, um, the old blue wave. I saw my first lawn sign um, this week for Biden. Well, did you see they have um, for Animal Crossing now? You can have a Biden Kamala 2020 sign in your Animal Crossing. Yes, that's great. Good for them. The first, you know, um, the first bisexual mayor is releasing federal troops into Portland right now. You know, it's, yeah. So as a black woman, I'm sorry Kamla is not my homegirl. But Maya Rudolph is. She's cool. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's the only Kamala I want in my life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have some um, exciting – an exciting report was given um, about some happenings at the sh- uh, jail, at the Washington County Jail. So we want to get into that because – it was um, some great journalism from um, the RGJ with many articles and kind of goes along with uh, all of the state-sanctioned violence we're seeing. Yes, um, the RGJ, uh, it was Annette Damon and Jeanette Damon. Sorry about that. She did a year-long investigative journalism story. It's called Death Behind Bars. I highly recommend everyone check it out. 
Um, and it was, if I'm correct, there's just a lot of uh, mishandlings and a lot of people are dying in our Washoe County jail. Over at 600 percent more under this new sheriff than they were before. So, you know, a 600% increase is absolutely unacceptable. Um, And most of these people are suffering mental health crises or they're intoxicated. Um, Nico Smith's was um, horrible. There's videos of him and Thomas Purdy. There was recently a settlement for a case that was also similar. So this is routinely happening, and it is just um, awful. These people are being um, – Thomas Purdy, in fact, was, you know, hogtied, as we know, for a long time. And putting people in those kinds of mental states in solitary confinement is, you know, cruel and unusual and obviously deadly as well. And some of the key players in this are Washoe County Sheriff Chuck Allen – Allen has been sheriff since January 1st, 2015. Um, Allen was a Nevada Highway Patrol trooper before his election, making a name for himself as the department's spokesperson. Um, Allen has said he won't run for a second term. I feel like this is a pretty interesting point in this series of articles because not only is the Washoe County Sheriff Chuck Allen not going to run again, but uh, conveniently, Captain Heidi Howe is also um, going to retire. Yeah, they're just going to, you know, set it on fire and walk out while it burns, you know, um, which is interesting. She's been employed for, what, 26 or something years? Is that what it is? 26 years. 26 year career at the sheriff's office, rising through the ranks in the detention bureau. She has been a key decision maker on such things as the jail's health care contract, pushing for an independent audit of the health care delivery and implementing new training. Um, but yeah, she actually just uh, is retiring, uh, planning to retire this month, so very soon um, when criticism is coming up about them. And, you know, um, uh, Washoe County Sheriff Chuck Allen was not happy about this article. He thought it was uh, tabloidism, but this is actual real journalism. This is literally numbers. Like, they're just giving numbers and 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 videos of these people, you know, struggling and dying. And it's, you know, that's not – that's we cannot blame the media for telling the story that you, you did. You know, that's the job. And that's what I don't understand is, like, people are saying, well, these people kind of deserve to die. They're committed crimes, but, like – you know, nobody deserves to die. Like, or they're they're on drugs. Like, okay, I didn't yeah. know that doing drugs made it okay to kill you for yeah. murders. Slowly, <laughs> yeah. So don't get high, kids, because then you can just be killed. Exactly. Um, and another key player in this is uh, again our friend, uh, District Attorney uh, Chris Hicks, uh, our best friend. Yes. <laughs> Chris Hicks, if you're listening, I don't like you. Um. He in 2014 he actually ran unopposed. Um, no legal authority requires that the district attorney's office to review in custody deaths on law unless a law enforcement agency determines a crime may have been committed. So hold up. Yes. Yeah. No. Say that last part again. No legal authority requires the district attorney's office to review in custody deaths unless a law enforcement agency determines a crime may have been committed. Okay, so what I'm hearing is only the cops can investigate their own crimes. 
exactly. through the district attorney. If the cop decides, you know what, maybe we did kill that guy, like, in a bad way. I don't know. Like, what do they decide, you know? Maybe they're like, well, maybe that murder was a little unjust. We better go tell on ourselves. We better turn ourselves in and get investigated. So the the likelihood of that happening, you know, like, even— even, like, a line cook who drops a burger is going to tell the chef, hey, you know, <laughs> I dropped this burger. <laughs> we can't serve it. But we can't depend on the police to do that, especially when the crime is actually murder. Um, so that's how likely it will be that any of these things would be um, would be recorded. So... Chris Hicks, once again, I feel personally responsible that he ran unopposed. Like, I feel like some of these things that we're learning about, I'm like, why didn't I know this? Oh, yeah, because I have, like, my own life and my mm-hmm. own job, and I expect certain levels of uh, – I don't know why. It's very naive. Like, you expect certain rules of society to be upheld. I don't know why I thought that. We cannot mm-hmm. trust any any mm-hmm. elected official at all. If somebody is running unopposed, we should probably make sure <laughs> that we want that person. Like, that means that some of us voted for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Literally. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I voted for him. Yeah. There's I, so many names. Yeah. Isn't, there should always be a— 2014. That was—I don't know if I voted for him. That's when I just oh, moved to Reno. God. But um, So, I feel—yeah, we really need to—we have time mm-hmm. to look into some of these candidates, but um, maybe we'll start— Talking about some people that are running and just do some light intel power mapping on that. Yeah, because, you know, this guy is excusing every single person. What if he runs unopposed for a judgeship? Like, what if he gets to be the judge now? He could be. I think that's a really good point that you brought up, though, that, I mean, sometimes um, it's hard to pay attention because you're so caught up in your life. I mean, you know— I've been looking into elections for a really long time just because I'm a poli-sci major, but mm-hmm. um, it was definitely a lot easier when I was working for a nonprofit getting pretty much paid to, like, go to city council meetings and do all this stuff. And then right. when I became a preschool teacher, I had zero time to, like, go to these things because I was working during the times of uh, meetings. Yeah. Like, if meetings are at, like, this um, special session in the legislature at, like, yeah. 1 in the morning— Oh, that to, nearly killed me. And yes. I was lucky that I barely, I mean, I was working, but I was mm-hmm. still working from home. But it's, that yeah. was a full-time job. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? but I don't blame working people not mm-hmm. knowing about a meeting at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and then and having to go to work in the morning. Like, it's yeah. hard enough. Or, like, we talked about it's hard for homeless people who don't have a place to live still going to a job. Like, they can't keep vote. up. With, yeah, they can't keep up with any of this stuff. They don't have, like solid means of transportation. Yeah. So it is up to us if we're in, you know, you do have to go the extra mile and it's okay. We don't have to shame anybody, but like this is this is how we get Chris Hicks and how we get Joe Biden too, you know, is all these little these little failures to be able to um really be heard, although, you know, voting is the base block to what we need to do. Like it's good job that's what you're supposed to do. That's like you, you know, you cross the street at a crosswalk. Good job. But you didn't, you know, fix the city. <laughs> um, so one of the things, speaking about that, their county commissioners meetings are where we can hold these people accountable. Um, and there is one coming up on September 8th at 10 a.m. 
Um, they will have, yeah, so they'll be talking about a whole lot of things. You can look on their website, washoecounty.us, um, and you can just look up the Washoe County Board of County Commissioners meeting. Um, so it's at 10 a.m. There's a Zoom link, and there is public comment. Um, so I'm going to try to call in on that one for sure, and I hope that all of us can. We'll um, we'll put a link maybe in the in the show notes for that too. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I think it's also. I'm glad that you brought up uh, County Commissioners Lilith because Washoe County Commissioners actually in the uh, Death Behind Bars uh, series. Um, said last week there wasn't much they could do to address the spike of deaths in the county jail, saying it was Sheriff Chuck Allen's responsibility. And while I agree that um, Sheriff Chuck Allen has tremendous responsibility for this uh, state law, um, actually it says that the county commissioner's job is to look after not only the security of the facility but the condition of the inmates there. And so, so yeah. So they said we didn't know. So if anyone has, like, a child that, you know, they did something and the classic response is, like, I didn't know. But, like, they did know. The county commissioners literally used that excuse. Like, we didn't know it was our job to literally look after the health and safety of these people that we are holding in a cell. So everyone's throwing their hands in the air once again. And um, all of these people are just, you know, pointing the finger the other way and saying we didn't know it wasn't our job when it is, you know. And if you don't know what your job is, then we have we have a lot of problems. Like what other things did they not know? Yeah, I guess they didn't know that it was uh, the law requires the county commission to inquire the treatment of the condition of prisoners every three months. And by the way, there are two uh, county commissioners that are up for re-election. That is Marsha Burt Bigler, Commissioner Vice Chair District 1, and Var- Vaughn Hartung, County Commissioner District 4. And the other three county commissioners are Bob Lucy, Commissioner Chair District 2, Kitty Young, uh, County Commissioner District 3, and uh, Jan Herman, County Commissioner, District 5. Well, that's, yeah. Well, good. I mean, we, yeah, so we need to do do your call-in for these people. They need to start getting some um, flack as well. We know we had um, Councilwoman Jenny Breckis on, and there's, like, a whole other slew of um, things when we talk about the city, but the county commission also um, is in charge of a lot of things, and that has been brought to my attention. Um So I would like to amend that statement. So we're going to take a short song break, and then we're going to come back with um, Anne-Marie Grant, who is Thomas Purdy's sister, one of the victims from one of these deaths um, at Washoe County Jail, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about um, about that. So going to take another song break and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Mass Liberation Radio at 97.7 K-Wing. Come and 
Hello, and we are back on K-Wink. We, again, would like to thank everybody that makes this possible, DJs, local artists. I like, um, I've been keeping K-Wink in my car, and I like hearing my friends on it. I heard some Nico's Mystery last night. Shout out to Nico. Um, All right, so we, if you're just coming back, we are talking about the recent Reno Gazette Journal article, Death Behind Bars, um, a wonderful year-long investigative journalism piece on the county commissioner, the sheriff, everybody involved in Washoe um, that make these uh, horrible things happen behind bars. And we are about to call um, one of the victim sisters, Anne-Marie Grant, to talk a little bit about this and her experience, um, as well as an event coming up to support families that have been directly impacted by um, state-sanctioned violence. So we are going to call her now. Hi, Anne-Marie. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. I'm here with uh, Kaylee. Hi, Anne-Marie. Hi, Kaylee. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for um, being on today. We really appreciate you for, for um, talking about Oh, not a problem. Us. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we were just talking about um, this Reno Gazette article that recently came out um, about all of these um problems that are happening in the Washoe jail. And um, we would like to, if you if you wouldn't mind, share with us um, your experience and kind of some insight into what is going on there. Sure, absolutely. So um, Chuck Allen, when he took office, um, there had been 13 deaths within a two-year time frame. One of those, including my brother Thomas, um, he was the second man asphyxiated by deputies at the jail. There had been a previous asphyxiation two two or three months prior in August of 2015, Nico Smith. And then um, about a year after in 2016, there was another asphyxiation death, um, Justin Thompson, but that wasn't the only issue going on at the jail. Um, there were many other deaths. There was um, a young lady, Keely Darmody, who actually was in um, withdrawal from um, illegal substances, and they didn't provide proper medical attention. She ended up, I believe, dying from dehydration. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which is um, super yeah. negligent because that's number one if you're, you know, detoxing yep. from something. Right. And she had informed them that, um, she, you know, that she was a drug user and that she needed um, proper medical attention. And they refused that. Um, and then, of course, during this whole time that the people are dying, we have the Washtenaw County commissioners who are mandated by NRS 211.020 to actually inspect the jail and in, in, inquire into the well-being and the safety of the inmates, which none of them were doing at the time. And, right. Um, we were just saying that. They said, the, you know, they said, oh, we didn't know it was our job. Is that possible? Right. Well, and, and, and how long? I mean, I'm not sure the year that NRS came out, but all of them have been in office for quite some time. It's not their first term. Right. Well, and even if it were, I mean, you would know. That's a huge undertaking. For the state, you know, and it seems like a lot of these people, I'm of the opinion that if you're on 
drugs when you get arrested, you should be first receiving medical attention, especially when we're dealing with things like fentanyl and uh, stuff like that going on in our communities. Like that is a health issue first (laughs) and then a law issue, you know. Those people right, shouldn't have been in jail in the first place. Right. That That's exactly my what happened with my brother. He um, had taken some illegal substances, but at the hotel, he was a guest at the Pepper Mill. Mm-hmm. And he actually asked security for help. He didn't, oh. assault any, he didn't assault anybody. He didn't fight with them. He was just extremely, um, he, he also um, was, men, was mentally ill, my brother. He mm-hmm. had um, bipolar um, he was mm-hmm. never diagnosed with um, schizophrenia, but he always used to say things that mi- led me to believe that he may have had that, like mm-hmm. that the U.S. Marshals were coming to get him and stuff like that, but never properly diagnosed, I don't think. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, my brother, that was the situation with my brother, had the pepper mill called an ambulance or Reno PD called an ambulance instead of putting someone who was non-combative in crisis into a hog tie for 40 minutes. Yeah, my brother would be alive. Forty minutes he was hogtied for, and he didn't do. A, I mean, I guess his it's time te- was trespassing. Trespassing at a hotel he was a guest at. He yeah. was a guest at the hotel. That's not a crime, right? Well, the hotel um, they didn't. So they in didn't the reports, want. Okay. Well, in the reports it says they didn't realize he was a guest until two minutes before Reno PD showed up. They pulled his wallet out of his pocket. And saw that he was, uh, I guess, actually a high roller there. Oh, God. <laughs> my brother, that was my brother's thing, gambling. He mm-hmm. likes to gamble. Well, then the pepper uh, mill should also be held responsible. You know, that's not. Mm-hmm. This is... Yeah, that's um, my plan when I come out there again is uh, to, you know, head to the pepper mill. I have my little cards made that I hand out to all the guests until they kick me out. <laughs> oh, we'd love to join you for that. If oh, you want company for that. If anybody wants to accompany Emery and hand out some. Um, information about their gross negligence. That would be great. And then, Emery, you've been... um, Tell me a little bit about your uh, activism that you've been doing. You know, with um, all these things Mm -hmm. happening, I heard something from one, from a victim. I I think it was... um, in Kenosha. It was definitely... It was definitely somebody speaking at the um, March on Washington uh, this last week. But they said, you know, that you're kind of called to activism sometimes when something like this happens in your family. It's not like, you know, you're running for office and you've been doing something that I find especially righteous as far as um, phone, the phone call thing. Can you tell us what you've been doing? Sure. Um, So I've been calling the county commissioners um, consistently for about the past three years and um, up until COVID hit, they actually just ignored me. They re- they refused to accept my email public comment as public comment. They said um, the NRS didn't say they had to accept it. It was just going to be correspondence. I felt it was just a way to silence me mm-hmm. so that it wouldn't be read onto the record. But now that COVID's hit, I actually feel like I have a voice because now we have the ability to leave the voicemail public comment, which they actually play into the chambers. Um, but yeah, I've been calling them uh, and, you know, reminding them of their duties, reminding them what happened to my brother at the jail and Nico and Justin, and that it's their duty to protect 
the most vulnerable community members. They acknowledge that the jail is the biggest mental health facility in Washoe County. But it's not that that particularly like that verbiage really bothers me. That is not a mental health facility. That's a jail. No, it's not. That's You're not right. the same thing. You can't just because you hold the mentally ill in jail doesn't make your facility a mental health facility. Like have we have they seen a mental health facility? You know, that's not at all mm-hmm. what that is. Um we you know, we need to figure out some way that that cannot that it's like the word, you know, saying peace officer when we refer to police i'm like excuse me exactly (laughs) you know so i think i'm kudos to you for calling in and doing that and um i we just talked about the county commissioners meeting coming up calling on our listeners to call in um i'm definitely going to be calling in to this next one and we'll have a phone zap with information on our mass liberation facebook page I'll share it on my personal page. I'll share it on Reno Sparks Black Lives Matter, as well as um, another a page that I started with a friend, Northern Nevadans for Black Liberation. Um, and, of course, this is anybody that's impacted. It does not have to be a black person, but those are just the pages that I'm um, going to be sharing it on. But if you could talk to us about—and Marie shared it as well—a um, little bit about— September 12th. So coming up, you have um, an event that we're all going to participate in at the federal courthouse. And you've been doing it for a couple of years. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what that's been like? Sure. Um, Sure, absolutely. So being a family member of someone that has been killed by the police comes with some pretty negative stigmas. Um, It's you know, it's they immediately um, criminalize the victim mm-hmm. and us families. Um, so the event we're having. So the last two two years prior, we've had an event at um, the federal courthouse and it's um, a lot of different families. I think we had about five or six different local families last year who had their loved one killed by the police. Um, it's just an event to uplift the families, to show the community that this is happening in your own backyard and right. to provide the support that the families don't typically get. And I just want to say immediately that I appreciate everything that you, Lily, and Kaylee have done and everybody else that's helping because um, I know you're really giving a lot of um great help and support for the event oh. and it's appreciated. Thank you. And yeah, and uh, forward thank you for all of the other community members that are going to come out. Um, it is not a crime. No crime is, you know, is punishable by death without with without trial and state sanctioned violence is absolutely wrong. I don't care what the person did. <laughs> you know, absolutely. this is right. not okay. And it's a I Got so frustrated when I see, you know, this immediate response of people trying to say, well, this person did this. Nobody deserves to die without trial. That's literally in our Constitution. Like, you don't get to argue that. I'm sorry. It's not okay. And, you know, if you're pro-death penalty, that's one thing. But that happens after a child, a, a trial. This is, Absolutely. you know, it's not, it's, and this is a huge issue that our country has with how we treat people that are mentally ill and how we treat people that um, are adults that have chosen to ingest substances. You know, that's, um, 
in in many countries, they have wonderful harm reduction centers and places that you can safely use. Um, even, you know, the more hardcore drugs are places that they will test your um, substances. And that's the kind of approach that we should be taking. People aren't going to stop doing drugs, you know. Absolutely. But people can stop dying in police custody because they're high. That's certainly we can do. You know, people can get medical attention if they've ingested a, a, you know, a drug that is perhaps cut with something that is, you know, lethal. Nobody wants, very few people, I should say, want to do drugs that don't feel good. You know? Absolutely. There's always a reason behind it. Yes. Yeah. And I see that, you know, that's the same thing with Nico Smith, too. He was um, coming down, um, they said, off of like ecstasy and, and methamphetamine. Well, yeah, I, you know, the last place I would want to be if I were coming down on anything is a jail cell. Well, I just feel they ignored the signs mm-hmm. that, that my brother Nico and Justin were in crisis. They've just become, I don't know if it's that they're desensitized or they just don't care. You know, they just yeah. don't care because because uh, there was one deputy, Paul Hubble, who was involved in um, asphyxiating my brother Thomas, and he also was involved in, I don't want to get it wrong, but I believe it was um, Justin Thompson's death as well. Uh-huh. So it's like, what it, what have they learned, you know? And, and another thing that's shocking to me about the county commissioners <laughs> is that the, the jail medical vendor is called NavCare. Now, if you Google NavCare, you'll see that they have had countless lawsuits against them for poor medical care towards inmates. Um, mm. And so the interesting thing about Sheriff Balaam is that right before um, Election Day, he took two $5,000 campaign contributions from NAFCARE shortly after the county commissioners were presented Ooh, with Anne Marie, report. you're doing some hardcore journalism. And then yeah. whoa, <laughs> that's a huge bombshell. It's just so unethical because... And it's right Google, there. It's public record, right? You you Google this. Absolutely. You guys, yeah. we should all be Googling this stuff. This should not yes, be... pretty shocking. Wow. So... One just one more time because you're giving so you're giving such great information. So the sheriff took two, two five thousand dollar campaign contributions. Okay, from this agency and days before election day, days before election day, because mm. you know that all gets reported, but mm-hmm. it was like right under the radar, you know. Right. Yep. And then he went to the county commissioners and backed renewing the contract with NavCare that was actually up for review. The county commissioners know. The poor care that was being provided if three pe- three people were asphyxiated and they had all been cleared by medical to enter that jail. Wow. So, and, yeah. And then um, the 10 other people that died from like Keely and the others that died from inappropriate or lack of medical care. So it just blows my mind that wow. the county commissioners would, you know, renew the contract with NavCare because they did actually put out a bid and had about three or four other um options. Oh, so should you think that um, calling for them to um, immediately have somebody other than NavCare working on this is a good call to action? Like, what would you like people to, which which of these horrendous things that they're doing should people, should callers talk about um, when they call in for public comment? Um, I would definitely um, push the fact that they have a legal obligation, the county commissioners, 
under NRS 211.020 to ensure the safety and the care of the inmates is being taken care of. And if three asphyxiation deaths and 10 other deaths under that medical vendor didn't say to them, hey, you're doing a bad job, they need to hear it from the community. Mm -hmm. I feel like the county commissioners have flown under the radar. Mm -hmm. The city council's getting hammered, but Mm -hmm. the county commissioners, I think they, every meeting, I think they thank their lucky stars. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We're going to make their lives a living nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. We're we're coming for you, commissioners, because this is not Council members, you get a break this week. Uh, Jenny answered for your crimes for the, last week. Right. As far as um, the demands for the family, we'd like to see um, all officers involved, best cases reopened. Yes. Um, we know that's an uphill battle. The district attorney in Washoe County, Hicks, and his predecessors um, have never ruled a shooting unjustified or any, any law enforcement death has never been ruled um, unjustified. Right. And there's I, only oh, one in Nevada that I'm aware of. Did you know? And it, the only reason it was, there's one of, I think, uh, 500 or something um, in the last few years. There's one, and it's only because he was off-duty. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, officer, yeah. Yeah, Lily and I were just talking about, like, Christopher, District Attorney Christopher Hicks doesn't even uh, investigate uh, deaths in jail. It's only officer-involved sh- shootings, the OIS reports. But if a death happens in one of the in the jails, uh, the district attorney doesn't um, investigate it at all, unless the that, cops yeah, tell yeah. him to. How ridiculous is that? It's unacceptable. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, I think his quote was, "It's apples to oranges." No, <laughs> an officer put his hands yes. on somebody who was involved in their death. It was ruled a homicide, which means another human being was involved in that mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. And so it should be investigated. It should go to his office. When my family was waiting um, for the reports, not from him, but from the jail, they kept trying to tell me, oh, the DA has to um, sign off on it. So I called the DA's office multiple times and they were like, oh, no, he doesn't review um jail desk, blah, blah, blah. And then finally they released the report to me in the videos. And then we learned the truth. But um, And was your video and your report like um, what Susan got and the community got from Micaiah like that? Was it or was it straightforward and un... Oh, the un- Rena Gazette? Um, it, was, it was the police narrative. Mm-hmm. They chose... They never once in the report mentioned that they put Thomas um, face down and had their knees and his back and neck. It's that, oh, we put him, we held his hand in his shoulder area. Um, they admit they knew that he was under the influence of something, but they thought they, they thought that something was so off with Thomas that they'd get a, a, a video handheld camera and record it, but not call an ambulance and, it costs the county money when they send an inmate out to the outside jail. I mm-hmm. think is a, a lot of what it boils down to, too, um, along with the in, you know lack inappropriate medical care. But the reports were paid. I had the hundreds and hundreds of pages. Honestly, it was um, of reports. Um, it was it was nothing. Helpful to my family, of course, reading it, I saw all their little inconsistencies from each person's statement. Right. Um, they don't acknowledge that Thomas was hogtied for 40 minutes when they actually came to the hospital because my brother sat up at Renown for um, two days on life support completely alone, the jail. After they hogtied well, him, right? Yeah. For yep, 40 minutes, left. you said? 
40, 40 plus. 40 that can't plus possibly years. be procedure for any inmate. No, it's not procedure. And their manual for the rip hobble restraint, which is what they put my brother Thomas in, every single page of their manual that comes with that device says never use to hog tie a human being, can cause sudden in custody death syndrome. It just every single in thing custody is. death syndrome is that are they yeah. for real? Yeah. What are these words? They are wordsmiths. Exactly. Excited delirium is another word. The <laughs> medical, the medical examiners. Anytime a person dies in police custody, um, at the hands of police uh, during a struggle, if they have had any type of um, substances in their system, they say it's excited delirium. They died from. The drugs um, and that it um, is just a phenomenon that happens. It's funny. It only happens in police It only custody, happens. Though. Yeah, exactly. Like the officer involved shooting. Like you mean state-sanctioned murders? Um, so can we talk about um, – you said you said one demand. Yes. So we, we do have um, a, a list of demands that we'd like um, – and those are one was to reopen all officer involved deaths. And so we're looking properly- for one good cop. It, it could take all of us or one good cop to ask. If one right. good cop is out there, if there is a good cop that exists, they can ask District Attorney Hicks and he will open it. Or all of us have to protest and ask for it. Yeah. For our viewers, just so you know, uh, the Reno Gazette Journal obtained um, Thomas Purdy's. Uh, footage so it's on that uh death behind bars series you could check that out they did it through a public records request and the rd day does report that um the washoe county jail hogtied um thomas purdy yes yep so i mean so we so essentially if anybody else wanted to play the video for them if you don't know what to say during public comment I think that's a, a great way to protest this as well. Um, Justin Thompson's parents are filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Washoe County Jail. Mm-hmm. And did they, or is that who just got the settlement? Yeah, the, his family, yeah, the county quietly settled. They quietly settled family. for only $500,000. That's not, that's, that's you know, uh, yeah. some of the... That that's... goes back to your county commissioners who who approve that settlement. Yeah. They, um, what they do there at the meetings is they throw it on as a consent under, um, agenda item. Mm-hmm. And, that, and if it's a consent item, they don't have to really discuss it. They just do it as a block vote and approve it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of these meetings, what we're finding is they seem like they're for the public, but they've already made the decisions. They're yeah. just doing it as a formality. They've already talked about it they didn't, without yeah, us. You absolutely. Know? Yep, um, sure. So what are, can we get back to some more demands? Because I know we're going to be also at the event, we'll be handing out some little, some booklets of information for people. Like we, you know, we really believe in actions, um, protests, events, vigils, whatever, providing you giving something to go home with and an action item for you to do. It's not enough to just show up. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people do want to um, take further steps and they just, maybe they don't know how or they need a little guidance. And yes. That's great. So um, going along with reopening all the officer-involved deaths is to properly investigate all of the officer-involved deaths. Um 
drug tests for all officers. Yeah, let's talk about that cuz I knew we talked about that on the phone a little while ago. Um cuz a lot of a lot of people don't know that officers don't have to be drug tested. Right. Yeah, I actually had pulled um, you know, PD's collective bargaining agreement, their union police mm-hmm. agreement. And nowhere in it does it mention random drug testing or drug testing at all. Um, I think upon initial hire there is a drug test, but that's it. <laughs> but like, so you have to be Metro, not high one time. Right. And I can say that Las Vegas Metro, their policy does call for um random drug testing, drug testing after an officer involves shooting. Um, so they definitely, um, I, a lot of their procedures, we know PD, like they, um, you know, they set a release after George Floyd died that they wouldn't use, um, chokeholds, but you know, Sparks PD has no problem with them Mm -hmm. still, but so, um, yeah. So, and back to the demands, um, investigating, um, them properly, um, reprimand all abusive officers, um, that commit any type of police misconduct, make their names public to the community and that information easily accessible so that the community can be aware who the trouble officers are. I love that. That's, I mean, that's one step before the guillotine basically, which, you know, cause I'm just ready to roll out those guillotines at this point. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, good. Yes, we should, they should be held publicly accountable. They are public servants. If teachers were do, had this amount of misconduct, you'd know that. Teacher's name and address. Absolutely. And teachers don't have the right to kill without consequence. Absolutely not. Or even touch a child, you know. Right. Um, so, and, and on top of it, um, I think the most important one would be to end qualified immunity, which mm-hmm. completely protects these officers from bad behavior. Um, and ha- having any type of responsibility for it, I think that's... A really, you know, the family's really. We talk about justice, but what is justice? Money isn't justice. No, five hundred thousand dollars doesn't do anything. That just means yeah. that they probably just couldn't stand it anymore. They try to, you know, this happened yeah. to uh, Justin Thompson in two thousand sixteen. Right. Yeah. Um. You yeah. know, so I'm sure they're tired. You know, and they try to wear you down. And um, that's another thing about Chris Hicks that we see is that it takes him so long to investigate things. In the first place, it's like, what is this guy doing? He's right. not big investigating. Shout your, big shout out to you guys um, for having the die-in for Makaya Lee because you lit a fire under his butt. Thank you. And that, that body cam footage would not have been released. It, it really wouldn't without all that public pressure. It, it wouldn't have. Thank you. And, and thank you to everybody who joined in that effort because um, – we want to keep doing that because if that's what works, you know, calling into public comment is one thing, but we started doing that for a little while and it didn't do as much as, you know, as a die So we're hoping that this event on September 12th can be another event that calls some people, you know, to the carpet. Yeah. And for those who don't like have transportation, please reach out to us so we can give you a carpool because I know I'm personally willing to drive anybody who doesn't have transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, those, who, awesome. those who can't uh, make it oh. for whatever reason due to COVID or you, you have you can't get childcare, um, I really encourage you to call county commissioners, um, call District Attorney Chris Ix, call on our Elected officials, like Lilith said, they work for us. Um, if you can't make it, there are still ways you can participate if you can't be there physically. Uh, yes. And that was September 12th. Um, it's going to be on the Saturday 
at 12.30 p.m. at the Bruce R. Thompson Federal Building, 400 South Virginia Street, Reno, Nevada. Please um, come out and support uh, families killed by the police in Washoe County. This happens here. This happens in our own backyard. Um, yeah, we really and need to start. At a high rate. Yeah, yeah we re- exactly. I, exactly. And then we um, we will march down to um, to another location. Well, that we don't need to say earlier than we need to. Uh, we'll meet there, and then we'll do some other stuff. But there will also be a musical offering, um, a violin um, and string vigil, as well um, as some other resources being distributed just for anybody, you know. If anybody else has been um, affected, too, we want to be able to hold these people accountable. And the more the more cases we know about... Um, the more we can help. And I think that, uh, you know, we were saying before on a previous episode, Emory, that we as a community are responsible for looking out for other people and, and responsible for lifting you guys up. And um, I think we should have been doing that already. So this one, you know, from here forward, we really want to make sure that we are here for our community members who suffer um, this kind of wrongful death because your brother should be here. Absolutely. It's never too late to get involved. And I can't stress this enough. This event is put on by impacted families. We, need, we really need to support them and by Reno Cop Watch. Yes. Um, this is the first that I know of event that is held by impacted families. So this is a huge, huge undertaking for y'all. And um, and exactly. It is, you know, like you said, none of us came into this as activists, you know? Yeah. yeah, you didn't want to do, nobody should have to do this, but it's like once something like this happens and it's just so wrong, it kind of eats at you. Right, I think it's important for the community to hear from the families directly because they are silenced by the media. All that's ever released is the police narrative and it's time for the truth to be told. It's you know, the victims, they don't have a voice anymore. My brother doesn't have a voice. So until my last breath, I will be his voice and I will be the voice for every other community member that has been harmed by police. That's so, so righteous, Emery. And, and we will be here to listen. Um, it's really important that, yeah, and lift those voices up. We all need to be there to listen to these stories. You guys should be centered um, around uh you know, impacted families and police brutality. Like you should be at the center. No one else should be. Right. So um, I'm really, I'm excited to get get together with everybody on the 12th and really provide the community support that you deserve. And until then, on the 8th, we have our county commissioners meeting um, to call in as well and let them know, you know. Yep. Um, would it be okay? Um, I recently connected with um, a victim's um, daughter that his name was Ronald Leach Jr. He was killed in Washoe County mm-hmm. um, September 14, 2006. Yeah. And his daughter can't make it to the event, but she did send me um, a message that she would like um, read about her father. And would it be okay for me to read it now? That would be amazing. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Okay. This is um, from Candace Leach, the daughter of Ronald William Leach Jr., who was killed. September 4th, 2006 in Washoe County. Ronnie is the father of two children, a grandfather of six, which five of them he never had the chance to meet. He lived life to the fullest, was always adventurous, and loved to travel. He would go 
without to make sure that others had the things they needed. He had such a big heart and was loved by many. His life being taken from, taken from him by another human was just another day on the job and extra paperwork for some. But to us, he was our daddy, and our lives were shattered and altered on September 14, 2006, when our daddy was taken from us by unnecessary lethal force, resulting in homicide. We love and miss you every day, Daddy, Candace and Jared Leach. I think it's important for people to realize these victims were human beings. They, they had families. They had children. They had brothers, sisters. They're not these, as the media puts it, uh, suspects. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, yes, they're, they're more people. than that. They're more than that. Everybody deserves mm-hmm. to go home to their families. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank I, you for letting me um, read that. I thank you for it. reading it. Yeah, yes. of course. And, um, and thank you for um, for writing that letter as well. Thank you to the Leach family. That's, it's just, oh, this is absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's a real one. Um, right. I like the point you brought up earlier, Anne-Marie, about uh, how this ties into mental health. That's something we've talked about a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just because you have a mental illness doesn't mean you are not a human being anymore. You deserve, um, you know, not to be killed without a trial. Um, and if you die in jail, uh, you deserve uh, for that death to be inspected. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. We, I think a lot of people live on this imaginary pedestal where bad things only happen to bad Bad people yeah and that's it's that's really not the reality of life you know and and we're out here our families are out here not we can't have our loved one back but we're out here because we don't want any other family to to you know sadly about three or four people do get killed by the police um on average a day and that does not include people who are actually killed in custody at a jail so the numbers are truly untold how many people are dying every day. And, and there's somebody's, there's somebody's loved one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times, I think the police, you know, they need, um, they say they have all these de-escalation tactics, but I have yet to see one used in any of the ca- like Micaiah Lee's case. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they just ran in guns blazing yet. They have armored vehicles they could be using, um, all kinds of military equipment they've had donated, which again, your County commissioners approve accepting those donations. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. just we're pouring um, money into it. So it's just like, you know, we have no money for anything until a cop needs a, a new helmet. Yeah. You know, right. like we have no money for anything unless the citizens figure out how corrupt the system is and they want to protest it. Right. And, you know, going along with um, it, it just goes along with bad policing, which ends up with people wrongfully incarcerated, which I know you work with mass liberation, too. Um, and that's a huge issue in Washoe County, too, um, you know, because it's the D.A. who prosecutes these cases and. They claim they have a conviction integrity committee, DA Hicks does, but they've, I put in a public records request. They've only um, reviewed zero cases. <laughs> so we could also, so that's another action item that we could do, listeners. We could also put in public records requests. Let's take some of this burden off of these families, mm-hmm. you know. This is, they're having to relive and re-traumatize themselves every time they do stuff like this, and we should be um, helping, you know, so... 
Uh, and we, you're also letting them know your eyes are on them, that other mm-hmm. people are watching, other people are aware, you know? Putting yeah. public pressure on them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, shout out to you. That yeah. was mm-hmm. awesome. But, That's what we love to see. Yeah, but yes. oh God, are the um, comments people were making <laughs> under the articles about Micaiah Lee are just terrible. Um, it's, yes, why are we criminalizing these? What is wrong with these people? I have to say that is one of the hardest things is mm-hmm. the social media Um People just are really bold online, and they'll say whatever. And, really heartless. Um, yeah, heartless, and and they don't care that they're talking to someone whose loved one was killed. They don't. They just one way of thinking, and yeah. and that's it. But I do feel like um, you know it's a lot easier to say those things from you know a far away. But when you get when these community, they need to see us families and yes. see that we are. We are just normal community mm. members like everybody else, going right. to work, loving our family, you know, spending time with them, you know, the, just to humanize the victim and the families. Right. And that's, you know, that's such a national problem. It's like we're a lot of people and I hate to, you know, right or left or whatever, but a lot of people with these more conservative quote, air quote values, yeah. you know, <laughs> these. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they're mad at the wrong people. Like you're mad yeah. at the wrong people, you guys. You should be mad at the people who are, you know, causing this kind of divide because at the end of the day, we're all workers and laborers to the state and all of us could at any moment of our lives taken or changed forever by the state. And that is who we should be mad at when things go awry, not someone else who is a victim of the same thing that you could be a victim of any time. You know, it's like a lot of these people, it's like, you know, I see rich people and conservative people drinking and driving, like just because it was a nice bottle of wine, you're allowed to drink and drive. No. You know? <laughs> yeah, the double standard. Yeah. I recently saw something that said real rednecks hate the police, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. what happened to being at Wild West Outlaws, yeah. guys? <laughs> yes. Those, there's tastier things than boots in this world, I can tell you. Um, For sure. For yeah, sure. it's just, it's so, we have to, and we also should be with, be there for people, you know, in those kinds of things. If you see somebody literally internet bullying someone who died, um, you know, call them out. That kind of behavior is not okay. That brings up another great point about calling calling people out. Never never be afraid to pull out your camera if the police are um, interacting yes. with a community member. You could save a life. They they, yep. they mm-hmm. that they recently just bodies. happened to me. Uh, my my right next door to me, I heard, "Put your hands up! Put your hands up!" I went outside with my camera, and sure enough, there were like six officers, guns drawn, yep. and yep. I was so scared, but. Definitely, you know, my first instinct was, oh, I got a video. Like, I have to go outside and videotape this because I don't trust these people. Somebody could die right now. And that should not be your instinct, you know. And some people's instinct is, oh, you know, the nice officers are here to save me from the criminal. And I'm like, I'm more afraid of the six guns that are right there, not the, you know, the person who did whatever they did. 
Right. Um, so mm-hmm. we, yeah, we do have a duty as community members to videotape, get badge numbers, um, and call these people to the carpet. Yeah, because we, as we know, they're not going to um, easily hand over the body camera. No, right, exactly. <laughs> that's well. That's why you know um, the Reno cop watch is so valuable because that's the first way that we found um, Makaya's footage, if I'm not mistaken, and that's what we listened to in the, uh, before doing the die-in um, to count the amount of gunshots. Mm-hmm. Yes, shout right, out yep. Reno cop watch. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, shout out to Reno Cop Watch. They have supported um, yeah. the families. Uh, he, Reno Cop Watch was the first uh, mm-hmm. local um, group that actually reached out to me. Um, so I'm really thankful for them too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. We and they're about tra- and they're about transparency and accountability. Right. Yes. I don't. That's all not this a is. Mm-hmm. page or anything. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting accountability and transparency from your elected officials, your public yes. servants who can take your life without consequences. There's absolutely Say that, no- Exactly. <laughs> there is nothing wrong. There's nothing I- radical about it. There's nothing left-wing, Democrat, whatever. Everyone should want transparency from their elected op- officials and accountability. That is not a wild a request. And that was another good thing that came out of the die-in, too, was uh, Sparks PD actually said that they would, now from now on, uh, release a body cam footage 14 days um, for transparency reasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. It really is up to us to be participatory, but, you know, um, it's funny all of the little ways that they try to make it not participatory, you know, um, calling these votes at the legislator in the middle of the night. That that killed me doing that. They did the same thing with um, city council when they did the talking about the new city manager that was at 11 p.m. And then, you know, when you and even down to when you go on the county commissioner's website, what a nightmare that nobody wants to interact in a website that looks like that. It's like straight out of the when the internet yeah. first started, you know what I mean? I'm like expecting my yes. AOL <laughs> messenger to pop up and hear a dial-up sign because it's just this antiquated, boring website. You know, if you want people to get involved, which obviously they don't, you know, you'd make it a little yeah. bit more accessible. Yeah. Right. I think um, another point um, about the body cams is um, there still are um, two families that, well, from 2018, yeah. that have not received the report from DA Hicks. Right. And the body mm-hmm. cam footage does exist for Philip Serrano, who was killed 9-23-2018 by Reno PD. Um, and Reno Cropwatch, I think, also a community member, filmed that incident, and um, they posted that, too. Um, okay. But but that, it, that was just... It, to me, it, there was no reason for six officers to fire into that vehicle. And I just feel like the longer he drags his feet, A, because the longer he waits to release his reports, the less the community remembers or cares. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, also there's a two-year statute of limitations on um, civil federal lawsuits for um, excessive force, mm. which isn't... That's which important isn't to that, yeah, here's another interesting thing that um, so when my father filed the federal lawsuit against the county, Washoe County, D.A. Chris Hicks office is the one that represents the county in the lawsuit. So there's no conflict of interest there. He's re- ruling these shootings justified, knowing that these families 
likely will file a lawsuit against the county who he then his office then decides litigates for. <laughs> right. So no wonder we are getting no justice. There is no, you know, there are no checks and balances as far as that goes for anything. The cops won't be investigated unless they say they want to be. Then Chris Hicks won't investigate unless he says that they should be, you know, that doesn't, where is the accountability there? Yeah. Or the transparency and the fact that the officer who is involved in the shooting is actually back to work within Max, max two weeks they're back on the streets and the community doesn't know their name. Wow. Doesn't, yeah. Um, it, he, he, um, preliminarily rules the shooting justified. I don't, I don't know if people know that, but that's actually what happens. And then Reno PD fi- finishes their report or whatever the, um, agency is that's in, in, you know, quotes, investigating, doing their independent investigation. Um, uh, Yeah. So it's really, um, I think a lot of things need to change. I don't know, maybe a citizen review board. That's what we were saying, too. Citizens should be investigating this. And, and, you know, just just regular regular citizens and directly impacted people should look at these things. Um, It should, you know, it, it can't be all... They're buddies. <laughs> you know? Well, us. when it comes down to it, if they're on the other end, they want their buddies to protect them. If they're the ones on the, you know, chopping mm-hmm. block, that's how I feel. Um, and it is the way the law, uh, federal law is written. That's sort of a reason, too, that we chose the federal courthouse as a um, spot for the event on Saturday, September 12th. Um, cause we do feel that federal law, there are two Supreme Court cases that actually give them the legal right to to kill people as long as they believe it was uh, reasonable. Okay. Which which I could say, I thought he had a gun, but he didn't have a gun. But at the moment, I thought he did. That's why I shot him. And and that's justified. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We're reading um, this great book on policing, and it does mention that. There's basically... um, you know, if they look at you the wrong way, they can still say that they felt threatened, which kind of brings us to Kenosha. <laughs> you know, um, an officer can really just be threatened by anything or a person can just be acting erratic and they are fully able to kill them. And I don't know why we can't all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cops aren't supposed to kill guilty people either. Though. Right. Absolutely. That's number one. Yes. Tried, convicted, and executed by police. It's not the way it's supposed to be. No. no. Um, and that, you know, in a system that does what's happening right now, it just, it doesn't seem like it can be reformed to me. If this were a business, I would say scrap the whole business and start with a new plan because this is not working. You know, th- um, mm-hmm. jail deaths increasing by 600%. That's not working. Scrap them all. Yeah. Come up with something else. Obviously, we need a mental health facility, not yes, another if jail. If yes, if they're trying to say that the jail is the biggest mental health facility, as you said earlier, that's unacceptable. Yeah, the RGJ um, investigation, the Death Behind Bars series, found that the death rate in Washoe County is nearly five times the national average. 13 inmates have died since uh, Allen took office in January 2015. Eight years prior, only 10 mates had died, uh, and mostly from natural um, natural causes. 
So there has been a huge spike in um, in violent murders. Yes, in the Washoe County Jail since uh, Sheriff Allen took office. Yeah, and it's interesting because I had actually found an article from 1999 that said that Washoe County Jail had a policy that uh, they don't uh, restrain people prone. <laughs> and that was wow. when it was under Sheriff, what was her name? It was a female, Nick Hi. Nichols or Nicholas. But mm -hmm. it's that's interesting because then you fast forward to 2015, 2016, they're clearly restraining people prone if they killed three people, you know? Right. And you should have heard, I mean, I don't know if you were on um, at the legislature when they were talking about the chokeholds bill, um, but wow, some of the officers calling in and just, you know, almost just so emotional over not being allowed to restrain people with their knee on their back or in a chokehold. It's just like, what? It was like an emotional attachment to to doing this. Yeah, it was pretty frightening, yeah. And I just want to point out also for our viewers that you could read about uh, Justin Thompson's story on that uh, Death Behind Bars series um, on the Reno Gazette Journal and also Nico Smith's. And uh, Thompson was denied adequate medical care, and that's um, often the case in all of these uh, instances. He stated that he could not breathe, and they didn't help him at all. And um, that's why his parents were suing for excessive force against their son, uh, son and they lacked proper training. And yeah, um, and also you can read about Thomas Purdy's case on um, on there too, mm -hmm. and about all of it. It's just it's really well done reporting. Um, I haven't really it was seen it was a really great series. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen something that great come out of the RGJ for a long time. So thank you um, for doing that and. Please come and hear these family stories and unite as a community um, if you believe that people should, you know, be kept alive when in the hands of the state, no matter their condition, then you should come on out or um, get at us if you'd like to contribute in any way or help in any way. I know also um, Marissa Barrera will be there. Um, and she's been working with you a lot too, Amory, right? Could you tell us a little bit about her? Sure. Yep. Her Marissa, um, Marissa is a great activist and, um, her brother, uh, Michael Barrera was killed February 8th, 2017 by Woodland PD. And, um, I connected with, it was a really lonely place, honestly, before I was able to connect with other families. Um, and so Marissa has been, um, She's been, she's gone uh, recently. She was in um, Las Vegas with um, Forced Trajectory Project, supporting the Vegas families. Um, she also has gone to um, Seattle. Um, she was just there recently um, uh, supporting families there. Um, she has started her own nonprofit. It's called Voices of Strength. Um, I just feel really lucky and blessed to have her in my life. Um, I consider her like a sister. Um, and she's just been uh, a guiding support, and she's really happy and has given so much input into the um, – she's been a driving force in organizing the event. Um, so we're really happy to have her and support her and her family who will be there on September 12th. That's wonderful. Yes, and we were fortunate enough to meet her um, too over Zoom, and I'm looking forward to meeting you both in person. And just commend you for all the work you've done. Um and and apologize that we you know that I hadn't known about it sooner, and I'm just thankful to be involved at all. 
Um, We're thankful to have you. It's never too late for anybody to get involved. Thank you for that. (laughs) I absolutely agree with that. Everybody, it's never too late. And we need you now more than ever. And, uh, you know, impacted people need us more than ever. I know it's really easy to just take off and decide that you know what needs to be done. But I can't tell you how much I've learned. Um, And I'm sure Kaylee feel the same from these um, directly impacted people. You can do as much research as you want and read as much national news as you want, but until you talk to somebody that's really gone through this, you don't fully understand the role that the state plays um, in in people's lives before and after their loved ones are killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maria, um, was there anything you want to add about um, Thomas Purdy? Uh, that I just want everybody to know that um, my brother was a father. He had two children. Uh, he he uh, he was um, an accomplished. His, his pride and joy, the most thing that he was most proud of in his life, was the fact that he was employed by um, our local Massachusetts Transit Authority, the MBTA. He was really proud of that. He followed in my um, dad's footsteps. My dad worked for the T for 25 years and retired from there. Um, and that um, we miss him every day. It's really hard for my dad, especially given the fact that he's a senior citizen, he's 82 years old. So yep. he's never actually, never actually watched the video. It, I really do feel like it would, it would, it would probably kill him if he did watch the video of what they did mm-hmm. to Thomas. But Thomas was a human being and his life mattered. And I want to thank everybody that plans on coming out on September 12th to support the families because it's appreciated and needed. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, And I'm so, so sorry. Our deepest condolences are with you and your family. Um, No, you know, no parent or sibling should have to lose their loved one early, um, especially in this way. Um, and with that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. Um, thank you again so much, and we'll you see so you much. on the twelfth. I'm I sure I'll talk to you a lot it. before then. Yeah, absolutely. I'll see you guys then. All right. No. Thank you so much, Amory. We appreciate your time. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're gonna play uh, take a quick music break and play Basquiat by Jamila Woods and Saba. They wanna see me angry. They wanna see me bare my teeth, yeah. I'm a stovetop baby. I smile in your face, but the oven's on high. I told you that I'm empty. I'm reclusive, I smooth it. And we're back, 97.7 K-Wink. We uh, just had an interview with Anne-Marie Grant, the amazing now activist and sister of Thomas Purdy, who um, died while, I'm sorry, was killed in police custody, um, wrongfully in police custody, and talked a little bit about our event coming up with um, Anne-Marie and Reno Copwatch and other directed and directly impacted families who um, have organized an event on September 12th protesting these awful instances of state-sanctioned violence. 
And I just want to thank our local DJs for KW1K. Um, the song we played in the middle of our show was Days Like This featuring Khaled uh, by Gold Link. So you wanted to talk more about Nico Smith, I think, right? And um, and we were talking more about that article from Reno Gazette Journal, um, The Death Behind Bars, um, and just kind of the conditions. And it's the same as, you know, we spoke to our friend Rihanna. She recently was in custody for four days, didn't receive food or water for 36 hours. Um, that's routine. And we're finding we're finding more than ever that that is just, you know, what happens. We do not treat these people even the way that we treat animals at the pound. Yes, uh, Nico Smith um, was also without food, not even a bench to sit on or a blanket. Um, he repeatedly tried to get the jail deputy's attention, uh, spending hours alter- alternating between talking to the camera in his cell and attempting to call through a small gap between the bars and floor. He spent uh, 12 hours of his life pacing alone in a tiny cell um, with only a metal toilet to keep him company. Yeah, and that video is um, terrible also. I don't know if you watched that. And we mentioned earlier that he was um, he was also coming down out, off of a substance, which um, we are all adults. And, you know, I'm sure many people have participated in using illicit substances and not wound up um, coming down in jail and dying, you know, um, taking an illicit substance. Whether or not it's recreational is not something that deserves um, punishment by death and that with more harm reduction, we wouldn't even be seeing these kinds of things. And we all need to be um, rallying around effective ways to treat people when they are um, having mental health crises or coming down off of a drug or high on a drug that, you know, at no point should the police really even be involved because that's not really part of their training. Um, it's it as all, far as I can see, their training is like tackle, restrain, kind of try not to kill, and that's a that's about it. Yeah, and Nico Smith was also suicidal, and um, he uh, when the deputies finally noticed he was, they were moving him into a suicide watch cell, and he listened to all their instructions. And although uh, Nico Smith uh, had several suicide attempts, that is not how he died in Washoe County Jail. Um, He was killed by the deputies, um, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and, you know, you shouldn't be driven to suicide in jail either. You know, this is not a mental health facility. I've seen... I've seen the inside of a mental health facility, and it does not look like what I'm looking at when I'm looking in those um, in those videos. Being mentally ill is not a crime. Yes, and um, his family member, um, his brother Romeo Smith, said six officers is too much, and I'd, I'd agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems that seems to be standard protocol. It's like there's always six officers. Like, why are there so many officers? Um, Anne Marie was just saying that there is a case that has not yet been. Um, we do not have the body cam footage for, so I'm definitely going to try to reach out to the family of Philip Serrano to see if we can do something similar that we did with the Makaya Lee case to put pressure on Chris Hicks. Um, Chris Hicks, you know, maybe he's too busy swimming in his pool in his multi-million dollar estate that looks like the pepper mill, or maybe he's too busy in San Francisco where he also owns a property, um, I know he's a very rich and busy man, but what he's not doing is um, fairly trying or prosecuting anybody 
And it seems like it's taking a mighty long time to be releasing body cam footage and reports um, that need to be investigated. These families are suffering. And after, you know, it's kind of a mistake on his part because I think it gives the families a long time to investigate what's going on and really, you know. And for our viewers, that was uh, Nico Smith was one of the three men to die um, after struggling against a crowd of deputies, um, including Justin Thompson and Thomas Purdy, um, at Washoe County Jail since 2015. Uh, the coroner ruled Smith's death a homicide by excited delirium, which is something Anne-Marie also um, mentioned. Um, and what the uh, coroner uh, defines that as, as a, a condition uh, precipitated by drug use or mental illness in which an agitated person enters a, f- a fatal spiral while over-exerting ex- himself, often during a struggle against restraints. That's ridiculous. I won't I won't hear it. I won't hear of it. I won't hear of it. If you look at Nico Smith's um, mugshot, that man looks so scared. He is crying. There's a, te- a huge tear coming down from his eyes. He looks like he has no idea why he is where he is. Um <laughs> I just, you know, excited delirium and death or whatever, officer-involved shootings. Like, these are all just – this is all language that the state uses to make it sound like it's not their fault. Um, In custody, death syndrome? What? Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't – I don't – I can't even – I want to make a comparison, but I just can't compare that to anything. That's like – I, I don't know, you know, like I have no analogy for something like that. Um, but in custody, death syndrome was a new one for me today. I've never heard of anything so ridiculous in my life. Um, it's not a syndrome, but I mean, maybe this the syndrome is the cops routinely killing people. It seems to be the only people that have, you know, a mental issue when it comes to a syndrome. But, you know, dying in custody is not supposed to happen at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it goes back to um, if you're mentally ill, you shouldn't um, die by the cops. That's not an reason. Should, yes, you should never die from mm-hmm. the cops. And if you do, the officer should be held accountable, investigated, and terminated without um, without compensation. And that's another thing when people say administrative leave. Like, that's almost worse. Like, that means then they are going through the files excusing other cops. You know, and um, and the sheriff there, they have absolutely no remorse. As we can see, all of the sheriffs nationwide have no remorse for any of this. I am waiting to hear from these good cops people are talking about. If there are any that are listening, please call us. I would love to find one of these unicorn police officers that I've never heard of. Um, or else, you know, the cops should be the most angry about something like this. Yeah, so, you know. It's all it's all very terrible. So what we're going to do is we have a small list of things to do. We're going to do requesting for public records. We are going to call in on the September 8th county commissioner meeting. And we are going to show up and show out for these families on September 12th. Um, and I want to thank everybody that was listening today and thank very much um, the family of Thomas Purdy um, and Marie Grant for calling in today. And thank you, Kaylee. Thank you, Yes, say their names, our local names that we have. Um, So thank you very much for listening to K-Wink 97.7. We will talk to you all next week.
And this is Mass Liberation Radio. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Lily. And we're going to close out with Brown Skin Girl, Blue Ivy, and Beyonce Wizkid. Brown Skin Girl, skin just like the best thing in the world. Never change it for anybody else anymore.